Hello and welcome to the 11th sequel of the Split Screen Podcast. Alan, let's sing along to the theme song. I'm just going to do the bass <laughs> Okay, and we stop with that. Can, but, we, can we not do that ever again? I don't know. Maybe on the next episode we won't. Maybe we'll have a diverging sequel and we will not hold on to the traditions we have established here tonight. I feel like I spent a whole year getting accustomed to the sound of my talking voice and you threw my singing voice in there and it just didn't know what to do. So. I like to keep it wild and change things up. I like to keep it wild but I don't want to turn people away. So one of the things I've always noticed is that when you look at film and you look at sequels and of course I'm going to refer to the great trilogy the godfather of cinema trilogies and that's the Toy Story films. And the great thing about the three Toy Story films <laughs> is that they there's a large arc over all three of them. You can sort of say it's, it's about the toys' time with Andy. Yeah. But each each individual episode, uh, film has a very unique tone to it. The third one is very melancholy. It's very dark at points. Yeah, it's quite quite a sad film, really. Sex. I think I had a wee Greek at the end of that film. And the first one is very wondrous, a lot of discovery, a lot of nice little things. The second one, they they sort of address the, the commercialism, which is a little sort of self-referential thing as well there. When I think of game sequels, I tend to think more of like the Police Academy films, <laughs> where there's like seven Police Academy films, but I think you'd be forgiven for getting three confused with five and six confused or with two. Jurassic Park might be another one. You know, where the Jurassic. first one was really good, really broke them old. The second one just added more flying bits and, and more yeah, swimming they bits. It, they took it to New York, which is a very classic. Uh, Crisis 2 took it to New York. Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty, took it to New York. Escape from New York, took it to New York. Because <laughs> the first of us escaped to L.A. Escape yeah, from L.A. Escape from L.A., yeah. yeah. Oh, that was the right way around. Uh, but I think or I've... Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. And we know the pattern for Grand Theft Auto games goes Liberty City, Vice City, San Andreas. And it looks as though they are repeating that in this generation, where Grand Theft Auto 4 was in Liberty City, GTA 5. It's going to be in San Andreas, and I saw the trailer came out, and my friend asked me, like, what do you think of it? And I was like, well, it looks exactly the same as every other Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> yeah. Except maybe now there'll be more Latinos, or there'll be more uh, black people in it, or they'll have, you know, a gay character. I really did not enjoy San Andreas. No? I just never got down with the stereotypes. Yes, I think was... I think it's, it, it's it, it's fine having characters like that in an environment like that, but whenever it's like you know, some it's a games company in Scotland making it, it's yes. not quite as acceptable. That's I don't true. know if I don't know if that's a valid argument, but it certainly is some kind of argument. I think when it's repeated every time, then yeah, it's it's totally valid. Um, even to when you have Crackdown, which you could say was set in the future, they didn't need to go and resort to again the Latino gang, yeah. the Russia gang, the Triad gang, but they they did. I'm just thinking. I've still got. I've still got Crackdown Two in the the pile of shame. You did really? Yeah, I've got Crackdown Two. I haven't opened it even. Do you know the the reason why they made that game? Because they wanted to make more money. They needed to make more money because their studio was about to be shut down. Ruffian. Yep. And mm-hmm. uh, so they you reused large uh, parts of the the world, the existing world from Cra- uh, Crackdown One, and just reskinned it. Oh. Um, uh, because it was one of the big complaints with that is saying like well there's parts of the city which are just exactly the same and that's because it was exactly the same and they threw in the zombie thing um, to, yeah. to, to try to well, give it a bit of variety I think at some point please remind me that there are too many zombies in games we can do a good article on that we can do, yeah I'm sure we could uh, we're going to crimp this out we're not known for we're not known for clever and for graphics but I'm sure we can manage something that's true um, Hollywood sequels Alan Hollywood sequels <laughs> um, Hollywood See, Hollywood sequels are often more of the same as well. 
Um, I mean, I suppose the obvious one would be something like Transformers 2. I mean, they, they already wrecked New York, so they had to go to Egypt that time. <laughs> Transformers 3, do not care. Really don't care. Most films do that as well, but that seems to be what people want. You know, those big blockbusters, people like watching the sequels to those. And in games, that's what people want as well. You want more of the same, but more. Bigger, better, more badass. What I'm going to do is, because I've been cheeky and I've left my iPad turned on, like the Wi-Fi on, I'm just going to look for the UK games charts out of interest here. Okay, Just cool. to see how many games are sequels. Uh, okay, so here is the GFK chart track. Uh, right, I'm going to, I'm just doing a very quick countdown here. You need to guess how many of the top 20 games are sequels. Uh, and is this, is this all, I guess it doesn't matter what platform it is. Top 20 all games, platform. I mean, I, I, I would want to say at least half. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with more than half of them. Just give me a number. 13. 18. 18. 18 out of 20? 18. The only ones in the top 20 that are not sequels, this is the weekend in January the 7th, uh, or are Zumba Fitness and Rage. Wow. Everything else is a sequel. I'm also including things like Rayman Origins, Super Mario 3D Land, which, to my mind, are sequels. So that that is that is the top 20. Even looking down the top 40, there's another f- five games that aren't sequels. Wow. So out of 40... Um, that's seven are, are actually not not sequels. So that's things like F one twenty eleven, Sims three, Jesus Christ, um, Arkham City, Professor Layton three, WWE twelve, We Fit Plus, Uncharted three, Halo Anniversary, Lego Harry Potter years five and to seven. So it goes on. Oh, sorry, Connect Sports is there as well. That's not a sequel. That's okay. True. That's eight out of forty. So I mean, a lot of this got spread off because you asked me whether I was going to get Arkham City. Yes, and I that, said, that, that's what started this whole podcast genesis, didn't it? And I said, no, because I've already played Arkham Asylum. And that's the same reason why, one of the reasons why I wasn't interested in playing Skyrim as such, uh, sorry, why I didn't play a lot of Fallout New Vegas was because I played Fallout 3. And that's part of the reason why I, because you know, people had said to me, oh yeah, you know, New Vegas is, is better than Fallout mm-hmm. 3. And that's great and everything, but you're still dragging yourself through the same thing twice, in the same way that I think you played Fallout 3 a couple yeah. of times. I've, I didn't. I played it once and that was quite enough. I played it many times, but exploring those different avenues. So I feel that even if uh, I went into, well, what I, I saw when I went into New Vegas, and they would have a quest line, it would be using similar tropes to those that I'd already seen. There's certain things where they would have people's, um, you could see that their men, they were breaking down mentally by the writing that they had would degrade in quality, and grammar, and spelling mistakes. And I'd seen that exact same thing being used. And it was only used once, and it was used to great effect in Fallout 3. But I've seen it again. Diminishing returns for me. Fair enough. Um, I mean, Arkham City, I would like to play at some point. The the series for me that went from pretty crap to great to really good to I don't care anymore, even though the last ones were good, were Assassin's Creed. Yes. So I got Assassin's Creed 1 and 2 in a double pack, staggered through the first one, uh, as you can read online, if you so choose to read, um, you'll see that I didn't like it that much. I was probably overly kind to it, to be honest. Um, Assassin's Creed 2 was a fantastic game and almost got our coveted five stars of meaningless insignificance award. Yep. Um, and Assassin's Creed Revelations, was that the third one? Yeah. Reve- no, Brotherhood. Reven- Brotherhood. I, c- I can't even remember the, the names of the games. Revelationatorianisms. Yeah, I think it was Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. Okay. And it was really good and I enjoyed it. Um, but to me it just felt like an extension of two mm-hmm. and then there's Assassin's Creed Revelations which is just 
an extension of Brotherhood. So I think part of the problem I just is- I've played enough Assassin's Creed. Mm-hmm. Don't really really like the series. You know, if somebody said here's a free copy of Revelations, I wouldn't refuse it. I just don't really want to play another. I think part of the problem there as well is that you just get burnt out on a series when it's coming out every year. And it's like strange, burnout. Like burnout. And it's strange that I'm sure they could have you could rush out a sequel every year. Certain games just update yearly. I mean I'm sure people don't even think of them as sequel where it goes from FIFA twenty twelve to FIFA twenty thirteen. I think a lot of people just trade in the old version and get the new one and they have FIFA in the same way you have Microsoft Office or whatever, yeah. you know, some some nutcases will upgrade that every year. Other people recognise that nothing's fundamentally changed. You're still kicking a ball about a about a field or kicking words about a page, and so you don't actually need the extra functionality, no matter how hard the marketers will try. But FIFA FIFA 12 was top of that chart that I looked at. Really? Top dog, yeah. Uh, uh, it's, a big, uh, it's also we're just after Christmas, so I imagine yeah. um, any Aunt Cheryl out there will be able to buy their little boy <laughs> Aunt FIFA Cheryl. 12 and Saints Row 3. FIFA 12, Battlefield 3, Modern Warfare 3, Just Dance 3, Skyrim. And inexplicably in the top 10, you've also got Need for Speed The Run, which I don't need to play to know is shit. And, uh, <laughs> and Saints Row the Third, which I don't need to play to know that I wouldn't enjoy that. So there you go. So a number of those games were from 2011, and they were the biggest games of 2011. Eurogamer picked up on this. Yeah, well, Eurogamer, um, they had a couple of competing articles around the same time where members of their staff seemed to you know, be very undecided on, on whether 2011 was a really good year for gaming. So, uh, first of all, uh, on the 26th of November, they complained about the number of sequels in 2011, and Craig's going to put on his best, I am quoting website voice for us. But here's the thing, I've played absolutely all of them before. Name a single game released in 2011 that felt truly new. It's a real struggle. Uh, and then they described it as a vintage year for gaming. 2011 has been a vintage year. Oh my god, what don't do that, sir? don't do that voice. It's it's okay, but if you can't actually hear what you're saying. 2011 has been a vintage year. Not necessarily for the same rush of novelty that we saw a decade ago, but for different reasons altogether. And the reasons that I think are just as important as the sharp thrill of the new, even if it is admittedly a less raw excitement that they offer. And then um, the one thing that got me was they said that, um, you know, there's this opinion piece called Bring On the Next Generation. And they said that increased processing power was somehow going to help alleviate the the tide of sequels. Once there's a new console with better hardware, our games will have to start looking better again. (laughs) I can't even get through you reading this without laughing at how stupid it is, but continue, sorry. But they'll also be able to think in more complex ways. And this will encourage developers to imbue their creations with more of that cherished interactive fidelity. Interactive fidelity? Yes. That's just bump. That doesn't mean anything. I saw an example of this interactive fidelity uh, online. I was looking around EA's YouTube page. And it was <laughs> an over-the-shoulder... Was that a low point in your life? That was actually quite cool. It was fun. Oh, good. I was looking at Jeff Green. Glad you enjoyed it. Sorry. It was, it was fun. It filled the void. <laughs> oh, God. And well, it was on one of the Harry Potter games, and uh, they had all these models marching down this, uh, you know, grey abyss, uh, mm-hmm. fantastically. And what they were zooming in on was something called Dynamo, which is how they dynamically animate the hair. And, and that's true. It means that their animators don't need to go in there and animate the hair by hand. They just have um, the, the sort of skeletal model, and physics happens at some point. And it, it looks like the hair bounces, and like the, the clothes at the end of their capes bounce a little bit. And that was great. Um, and that 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 is that that is a big part of when technology advances. And I was watching, going like that was some guy's job, was to sort of improve the hair bounce, in in Harry Potter. And is that really pushing the boundaries that we need? 
to push or, it's a, it's or a, strive well, to push? It's certainly not imbuing creations with interactive fidelity, is it? It's not like you're actually going to choose which of Hermione's hairs lobs over her left shoulder and over her right. Um, here, here's a here's one for you. Uh, think about Halo Two, right? Which okay. was uh, an Xbox game come out in two thousand and four. Had an Xbox Live Online functionality. You could download map packs and a voice chat and friends list. Halo Three and the Three Sixty. What's the difference? What's fundamentally different about playing that game? Not a lot. You can throw down bubble shields. Um, you can okay. You can make your own maps. That's something new. But I don't feel like there's anything fundamentally different that couldn't be done on the original Xbox. You know. And if you look at Halo compared to something like a game on the Dreamcast or the PlayStation One or Two, that wasn't true because it's got much more complicated artificial intelligence. I kind of feel like around the the end of the Xbox PS2 generation when you had games like God of War 2, mm-hmm. Shadow of the Colossus, Burnout 3. Um, you know, I think that those were kind of the, the, the pinnacle of technology. That's when people had as much expertise and freedom to do whatever they wanted. And since then, we haven't really been able to push the boundary as much. One of the things that I imagine must be a nightmare if you're working in games is just that battle with the technology, especially when a new console is, is released. Yeah. And we all know that it does take a few years before they really learn how to get the most out of it. They always, there's a sort of weird phrase, it's a polish, I think that tends to be, you get more polish uh, a few years after. Well, especially with uh, the, the PS3, they had said that they deliberately made it hard to program for, so that it would take years for developers to make good-looking games, which <laughs> is, on the face of it, quite a, quite a sick thing to do. It's an odd to, thing to, to make people, it to. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's just typical you know, Sony. So, Next generation doesn't start until we say it does nonsense. So if I was making a sequel and I had that great idea but now there's a new audience who have come with this new console everyone okay the Wii's maybe not the greatest example but it's kind of bucked the trend a bit yeah. let's go for it that the Wii comes out and it just changes the landscape of gaming forever and that people buy it and then if we place this analogy slightly before all the dust collects on top of them you would go well what ideas do we have that works well this the Halo works We've got we've got this guy. He jumps around and he shoots people. He's big, <laughs> ugly, purple dudes. He's a pretty cool guy, eh? Kills monsters and doesn't afraid of anything. And well, I get maybe if it ain't broke, then don't fix it and just make it look better. And then append the number at the end with the number one. Well, it's increment. Like Battlefield Three came out um, just before Christmas, and that is certainly in the PC. That is like the, the first of the new generation of titles. It's all like this okay. DirectX Eleven marketing jargon and nice big clouds of dust and shiny bloom and have you played the campaign where you, your your character's got this permanently dirty face no it's like there's specks of dust all over the camera i find it most annoying but um is that fundamentally different to bad company 2 no no it's not really in fact it's very similar to bad company 2 that doesn't it, it doesn't make it a worse game but it, it it makes it very difficult for you to keep the enthusiasm going. And this is where you need new games like Assassin's Creed that comes out or Mirror's Edge mm-hmm. or Dead Space or even something like you know, Skylanders that is something totally different. Or da- Dance Central and just Dance Rock Band. You know, those, mm-hmm. are, those are the kind of games that stand out for me from the generation because, um, because they've been something different. Not because they look a lot better. Whereas this whole, oh, you know, cherished interactive fidelity thing just sounds like fluff. The, the games that people are going to be buying I think if you look at the charts from about five years ago, it would still be FIFA and Call of Duty and things like that. Yeah. And those games just haven't changed. And I think the reason why I'm slightly... Um, I, I am a little more sceptical of a sequel is that in games, the sequel will make more money than the original. So the, it's, it's in their interest to establish an IP off the bat and find a way of... You know, Brutal Legend was planned as three games. Well, uh, 
that the, 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 the first game ends on a story. Story-wise, it ends on a way which would bridge it to the second game. But oh, apparently, okay. it was uh, it, it was going to be one of these uh, brands. But if you look uh, at film, most sequels do worse than the original. Is and that true? I feel, yeah, there's a good graph that I'll, I'll stick up. Titanic 2 didn't do very well. There are many examples of sequels absolutely blowing the first away, but by and large, okay, cool. the trend is that the sequel will perform less well than the original. So you're talking like Speed and Speed 2? I'm talking about American Pie films. I'm uh, talking about yeah. things like that. Or Iron Man 2 probably didn't do as well as the first one, did it? Who knows? I would, well, I would, yeah, I should have done I can't some research before I just started randomly naming film sequels. Na- naming all the fantastic blockbuster sequels that have. With Fantastic Four too. Close. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that that would do that. It, it was bad on every level. And really. like, I want variety. And this is just, and you look at the big developing studios; they're going to do more sequels because that's what's in their interest. They can, they've got their established audience. You can aim for them. Yeah. You can, you can hit something and know something that will sell. So, because I want variety, that's what pushes me back into the past to find old games. <laughs> yeah. And pushes me into mods and, and, and iPhone games and things like that. I think that's where I've been leaning towards iPhone games as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I guess the thing is that, you know, yeah, like you say, sequels sell better. And that also means that, you know, games that are really quite original sell quite badly. Mm. Um, and you kind of have to pick them up, you know, in a second-hand shop or something. So I'm thinking of things like Beyond Good and Evil, which is now getting a sequel. And yep. everybody, well, I'll say everybody, but all the people that didn't buy it the first time around are really excited. Um, there's Rayman Origins, mm-hmm. is essentially a sequel, but it's also like a reboot of the Rayman franchise. And you know, you haven't done it doesn't been a 2D Rayman game since 1996. So I consider it a kind of a, a kind. Of, it is a new thing. Yeah. It's not a 3D one anymore. You know, it's it, it's a it's a new thing, and it is brilliant. Um, and it hasn't sold very well at all. And there's, um, so, there's so many games like that that have origins in the title, like Tomb Raider Anniversary was one, which was the, the first game, again remade. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, I don't know where, where it counts when you have these games that are being remade. HD remakes is quite a big thing now. You yeah, said Beyond well, Good and Evil has an HD remake. It does. Is that would that would you know? Is that better than this? this would I rather see that than a sequel? Well, I got um, I got Halo Anniversary for Christmas. And I think I had as much fun with that as I did with Battlefield. My brother and I were playing through it on on, on Legendary, which is a, a fierce test of anyone's fortitude. And um, yeah, it's it's still really fun. But then there's no difference between you know, somebody going back and playing that ten years ago and going, "Hey, this game looks pretty," because mm. you know Halo was a very innovative game. I know people go, "No, it wasn't." But it's like that's why you can't carry all your guns at once anymore, and why you don't have to run around collecting health packs. Yeah. I did an I did an awful lot. Uh, well, the main the main thing was probably the artificial intelligence. That was the biggest thing that elevated it above everything else that came before. Was that you know the computer were were super smart. But I still think it's it's a really good classic game. But you can play it on the 360 in an emulator. You don't have to have an HD remake. No. Um, I think it, well, that that's what I said. A lot of times, the HD remakes are ways of bringing it onto systems that you can have had. Yeah. The Monkey Island Special Edition's been a good example of that. See, they're they're really them. good because they're they're tastefully done. And they, you know, they, they're respectful of the source material, but they, they bring it forward into, into the modern era. Because you wouldn't want to play Monkey Island in classic mode now. It just wouldn't be, it wouldn't be as fun. No. Special edition is a much more enjoyable thing to play. Yeah, the way you can uh, eliminate pixel hunting by having it show you what uh, highlight like what are the and, and uh, interactive yeah. Yeah, elements. Well, the problem with Monkey Island 2 is that uh, I because I wasn't nostalgic for it the first time, I didn't really enjoy it. Really, really enjoyed the first Monkey Island, but I thought the second, apart from the ending of Monkey Island 2, which is hilarious. Oh, it's so weird. 
Uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty surreal. I'll not spoil it for anybody for a change because I think it's worth worth not spoiling. But uh, you it, get transformed into a kid, and then you're on like this go kart, and you're like, "What?" And then it just ends. And it's never, but it's never addressed in in three. It's addressed as a sight gag. It was addressed in, in Curse. I thought it was. No, nah, it's only a sight gag. He's floating in the ocean, and you see the go kart bobbing behind him, and he's just riding a little like, "Wow, that was some adventure." And that's it. <laughs> that's we move on. Yeah. Ah, uh, that's disappointing. Oh, sorry, man. <laughs> Did you not play three? Hmm? You played three? No. Ah, so it's, it's good. Perhaps I could do some kind of Let's Play Monkey Island 3. You could do indeed and accumulate the same dozen diligent, awesome people like I do with the Blade Runner. That's nice of you to compliment your, your fans. If I had any, I'd compliment them too. <laughs> <laughs> you do. Um, you do. Well, one, one thing uh, to do with game sequels that... Um, I guess is a, a kind of a cheeky way around this is to have the, the spiritual successor as they call it yeah where Bioshock was System Shock 2 spiritual successor Child of Eden was Rez's spiritual successor Dark Souls most recently was the spiritual successor to Demon Souls yeah see the, I I don't know if I agree that much about, Demon, about Dark Souls being a, a spiritual successor I think that's quite cheeky because it is a very very similar game right. you could have called it Demon Souls 2 and I think that would have been fine so but I mean I, I obviously I helped make this list with you and I put that on mm. but just to say that you know I guess cheeky for them to refer to that as such well I guess for me what makes it a, something a spiritual successor rather than a sequel because I don't understand spiritual successor. Again, it's something that I don't really... I've never really seen a book that was a spiritual successor to another book. It's kind of like the same game in a different universe. And and that's it. That's because System Shock 2 has an unreliable narrator. Bioshock has an unreliable narrator. You have plasmids in one where you can shoot funky stuff. You have... Uh, I can't remember what they call it in System Shock, but you have a similar genetic type upgrade can't where remember. you can shoot funky stuff as well. It's been that long since I played it. <laughs> Child of Eden and Res, they're both music-based... Abstract yeah, shooters. Absolutely. Um, well, I mean, the other ones I would think of would be something like uh, Tool Annihilation, um, which was a different game in a different universe from the same creator. Yeah. And so it very much... Um, uh, to Supreme, Supreme Commander, Supreme. Um, which very much had the same vibe of Total Annihilation, yeah. which is, you know, hordes of robots fighting each other. Um, and another one would be, like, Devil May Cry, which is directed by Hideki Kamiya, um, <laughs> who then went to Platinum to develop Bayonetta, um, which is kind of like... The, the rationale behind that was that they'd had all these Devil May Cry characters and they'd built up a universe and what they wanted to do was start over again and kind of make the ultimate action mm-hmm. game and they could do whatever they wanted and so that's why Bayonetta does things like it includes Ninja Gaiden's entire move set with a sword as yeah. one of its weapons it'll include all of Devil May Cry and you know one particular part of it mm-hmm. so it's quite I guess they had the freedom to do whatever they wanted. And, and it's not—it's not quite a. Well, so, so, is so, it a spiritual so, successor? Well, I, I would say, know. like in that kind of example, that's that's someone who has this artistic or design flair or some signature uh, yeah, design flair, okay. and that's that's being brought over into other games that they make. So it's not a sequel; it's like something else. In the same way that um, not Tim Burton, but Tim Schafer from Double Fine yeah. has a very distinctive style of game that he makes. But none of his games are se- ever sequels. Yeah. Um, I guess Costume Quest had DLC, but I don't know if that specifically counts. But they have a sort of style, and I'd rather see them like work on new projects rather than see Psychonauts two or to see Brutal Legend two. Fair point. I guess or Grim Fandango two. Maybe that that's what a spiritual successor should be, and these games are too close to the original mold. Because if you think about it, what you're talking about is you're taking the the creative spirit of yeah. the development team and you're taking that to a new project and keeping your signature style. And um, arguably, like what Bioshock managed to achieve in terms of its tone and style was just. 
you know, completely different to System Shock in some ways. Mm-hmm. But if you look at certain archetypes, if you turned all the textures off, if that works, and you just have wireframes running around. There's, I mean, there's other problems with like, um, royalty rights and things. So EA have the rights to the System Shock, yeah. um, whereas Bioshock was published by 2K. I think, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, a famous one was a series called Guilty Gear, which is this 2D fighting game developed by Arc System Works, and it was owned by Sammy. Um, so, basically what happened is, they lost the rights to Guilty Gear. So they went off and did another game uh, called Blaze Blue, mm-hmm. which is exactly the same thing in terms of the way it works, and it's an incredibly complicated game where you can, you can cancel in and out of a lot of attacks, and there's very high-risk maneuvers. It's a very technical game. I can't even get through the tutorials on Blaze Blue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, I guess that's kind of a spiritual successor, but it's it's closer to a direct sequel. Of course, Blaze Blue has already had three sequels, which are Blaze Blue Continuum Shift, Continuum Shift 2, and Continuum Shift Extend. And then you get like Continuum Shift, Adobe Extend Plus, and that one's got Illustrator in, yeah, you and get, Photoshop in it. Well, you get like um, Master Collection, which gives you all of the fighters. And then right. depending if you like, you know, somebody uses projectiles, you can buy um, Blaze Blue Creative Suite uh, Projectile Premium, and mm-hmm. that gets you all of the, the fireballing characters. I think that's, uh, they're taking the Adobe model there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. See, Adobe have announced CS6. Really? Yeah, well, this is what, they're on an 18-month cycle now. Where they do CS5, okay. then 5.5, and then 6. That's quite soon. It's too soon, especially whenever you, whenever you work when somewhere you that's trying to support these products. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but luckily, yeah. But that's another issue, is that if you have sequels to games being released year in, year out, say you buy FIFA 10, right? Yep. Okay. Say you buy FIFA 12 and you buy Battlefield 3. You should be able to play Battlefield 3 for probably several years before EA switch off the servers. With yep. FIFA, you won't be able to do that. You'll get about two years before they'll cut it off because they've already ruled out FIFA 13 and 14. And they're quite good at trimming off all our old servers. So if you, there's kind of an achievement graveyard for things you can't actually collect now. Yeah, I guess there are certain. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I guess it, I guess it could be motivated by the making sequels. Yeah, there's just certain uh, limitations to how supportable uh, the online aspect of a game could be. I think I think there's a, li- there's a limitation as well in that the the games industry can't sustain big innovative games. You can't pump out a Brutal Legend They're, or a Psychonauts all the time. You can't do Mirror's Edge. You know, that's was, the Mirror's Edge example. was the one that was... Uh, EA, EA had that summer where they, they completely turned around and they came out with Mirror's Edge and Dead Space. Two completely unique, original ideas. Two, you know, okay, Dead Space, you could argue, was Resident Evil in space. Dead Space was pretty good. Mirror's Edge was really fantastic. good. Yeah. Mirror's Edge, like nothing else, if you yeah. discount Jumping Jack Flash, <laughs> which uh, you should. <laughs> but if you look commercially, Mirror's Edge did not perform anywhere near as well as Dead Space. Mm-hmm. Which one got the sequel? Dead Space did, obviously. I Whereas Mirror's Edge, to my mind, had more untapped potential. This is where um, innovation has kind of jumped from places like, you know, the, the PS2 used to have quite a wide variety of content because it was so easy to get published on it because it's such a big library and a big user base. You know, mm-hmm. you could or the, the PC was another one where people would do indie games um, and now it's jump on the platforms like iOS because the risks are much lower and the audience is absolutely enormous and there's mm-hmm. a very low barrier to sales and people aren't going to be you know people who wouldn't put down 40 quid for Mirror's Edge aren't going to think twice about playing Mirror's Edge for yeah. 70p and that, that that is good like I'm so happy that there is that variety of iPhone games it's so it's so bizarre we're, I was playing Zookeeper which uh, Alan reviewed a while ago and it's another match 3 colour game and this is sort of side outside of the sequels, but you shouldn't think there should be that variety in match three color games. But this yeah, is like a slightly is. different take, which is like fun in a kind of different way. 
And you're able, I guess, to be able to do something like that when it's a smaller mm. budget. But when we love and we praise Valve and we praise Bioware as being the, the leaders of the industry, and I want to see what they can do on new things. Valve's next game is Dota 2. What does Dota stand for? Um, Defense of the Ancients. I want to see them do something separate. They did Portal, then they did a sequel. They did Left 4 Dead 2. They did a sequel. I kind of like get more excited about the original well, Portal, games Portal 2 was different. like a silly sequel and it, it worked as a game but I don't know if it necessarily worked as a as a sequel to Portal no. I no, think it, we'd, it, we'd already said that you know no we said I think Portal was Portal 2 because people who bought Portal at least on the Xbox it was buried away inside the orange box or it was a download up in the indie, indie games so in terms of someone walking around on a shelf someone uh, there was I don't think TV coverage for it I can't imagine there was much of or any so Portal 2 was an opportunity for them to then get that market that they missed. They knew that they had something great, but because of the way it was packaged in the Orange Rug, which is a fantastic deal if you knew about it. Yeah, but, but nobody, would have, nobody would have bought Portal on its own. Yeah. Not not until it, until they, they critically claimed it. And that was a big part of it. That's why I think why you, you, you really did replay yeah. Portal um, for the first few sections. Considering it was a, a game consisting of a sequel, and it's two sequels, and a sequel to another game. Yeah. Um, it was quite nice to have Portal there, and not Portal 2. <laughs> so, which but there's, <laughs> there's, cer- there's certain times, I think, when someone will deviate with the sequel, and it doesn't work out well. Or they get criticised, and they say, like, oh, why aren't you making Banjo-Kazooie 3? And that's what people said when Rare made Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, which, when you look on the face of it, is a vehicle-building, puzzly-type game. Yeah, it's just totally, puzzle racing totally different. Game. You can Sandbox kind of platform a bit, can't you? Yeah, you can platform around, but there's no real platforming in it. You can um, jump around to collect more notes and bits for your car, but then you go back in the car, and that's where you have the game. Okay. But there were so many reviews that I read at the time, and people uh, in the comments and in the reviews were saying, like, well, this isn't Banjo-Kazooie 3, and you're like, well, no, of course it's not. It's not called Banjo-Kazooie but 3. <laughs> there's, I guess there's something when you set something in a world, and that's they're using, again, their IP, their brand, they're establishing and expanding and you set it in, you have the same characters there in the name. But Rare just Is do, there a responsibility? Rare and I do Connect games, don't they? They, do, they, they just did. They, 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 well, they did the, the, the avatars, and then they do Connect Sports and Connect Sports too. But when you put in like an established name into the game, like should you be using stuff from its past, or should you do something different? Super Mario Brothers 2 was completely different from Mario Brothers 1. Not in Japan, it wasn't. Uh, it, it's just kind of excluding <laughs> Lost Levels. Well, um, that was the original Mario was, uh, Brothers 2, and it was... It was different. It was, it was a hastily rushed Well, if you looked at it, you can jump on an enemy to kill them. What? You had to jump on them and pick them up, and then throw them. Oh, Mario 2, I thought yes, you were Mario talking 2. about Lost Levels. No, Lost Levels, you can you can yeah. get past whatever level the winds start coming in. Oh, There's wind in that game, but you I don't think you can see it, or it's like a couple of white pixels. Oh, Really right. hard. It's pretty sick, then. So, uh, what game do you think has had the most sequels? I know we've done a bit of a tally, so this is really a question to the listeners at home. Uh, more, you might not be at home, you might be commuting, I don't know. Well, I guess, like, saying that where there's certain games, like, okay, you say Banjo-Kazooie really had maybe two sequels, or two games in this series, yeah. and then there's the third, then there's Nuts and Bolts as separate, so, well, I think Mario would be high up there. Okay, uh, so Mario um, has had, uh, I, I totaled 18 games. That includes Donkey Kong, but not Donkey Kong Jr., because you couldn't play as so it. So we're tracking that through Donkey Kong and the Mario Nintendo, Brothers, Super Mario, Mario World, Brothers, Mario 64, World. Sunshine, da, 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 and the, all the ones in between up to Galaxy 2, I guess. Is yes, the last so one. that's not including Mario Kart Party Sports. Yep. Mario features in about 200 games. In total. If you count 
all the carts, yeah. all the parties, all the tennis, all the golf, all the spelling, all the adventures with Sonic. How does he get any? How does he? How does Bowser not run the world? Mario spends most of his time enjoying recreational activities. That's true. He's a keen sportsman. I guess that's maybe he just I see you're his, a keen sportsman. He hates his day job, and that's how he gets day to day to day to day. Is by his extracurricular. He's keeping fit. That's why he can triple jump. I guess so. Um, so I mean, some of the other Nintendo are quite notorious for it. Um, Zelda, there's uh, 16 Zelda games. And, and there is something... They're like, all very similar as well. You, yeah, you get the, the... What's it? The chain link? What's the, the, the chain gun shot? The hook shot. Yeah. I'm sorry, I don't know the names of the, the weapons. The, I didn't mean to sound annoyed. Only like, no, 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 I wasn't saying that to you. Shot. I was saying that to me. It's like, I chose the one thing. I could have said the bow and arrow. So you get the bow and arrow. Well, the bombs. They're bombs? Or the bombs. Or, or the bombs. Or the hook shot. Or the new shield and the master sword and, and the new chinook. And you kind of know that after you get the, the chain shot that you're going to go into a temple where you're probably going to use it. And there's something kind of comforting about that. Something kind of nice. But even people who played Twilight Princess and adored it will tell you it is so much like Ocarina of Time and it taps that mm-hmm. literally in the story but also in terms of music and, and locales. It revels in its own history but well, it's wallows in its own crapulence <laughs> but so much of it is kind of the same game well even the music's the same yeah, the overworld themes there is, this, is the same and Zelda is now 20 must be 25 years old because it's about 1985 I think so it'll be over, over 25 years old uh, yeah. so it's been going for, for quite a while but um, I, I just don't know if I necessarily want to play that game again I like the Zelda games I really like are Link to the Past Wind Waker and um, Phantom Hourglass for the DS because yeah. they're different. Well, at least they look different and you get to sail about and have a bit of fun. And that's not, I'm not like, so big a fan of Twilight Princess. And that's where this whole thing for me is very much a personal thing of, well, I want to see new things and when I go and look at a sequel, I tend not to see much new. I see yeah. a lot of the old. And it's, it's just, yeah. It's like, it's the, one, one thing it's it's different is uh, Sonic. He's been in 24 games. Uh, they're all different games. They all look Fantastic. different, but they've all got the same problem. They're sometimes all, yeah. he's a hedgehog. Sometimes he's uh, got a gun. Yeah, well, that was that was Shadow the Hedgehog. Yeah, um, but uh, I didn't actually include that. The the the, the Hello Twenty Four. But this is it. They, it's the same problems every time with him falling off cliffs and things. So the only continuity is Sonic's in it, and he's going to die a lot. That's this, that's your continuity in the Sonic series. And what's the first level of any Sonic game going to be? Some kind of Green Hill Jungle. And the first level of any Mario game is probably going to be a greeny jungly Mushroom Kingdom. Mushroom Kingdom level. Uh, that's you, that's the same with everything. You get Lava and, World, and, Ice World. And there's certain tropes, I guess, that you can keep going. But yeah, I'm really glad. It, we're it's more about seeing yeah. the teams doing something different than rather doing something different with the characters. It's weird. It's kind of like comic books, I guess. And that you know, Spider-Man's still going. Yeah, how, many, well, how many stories are there to tell with him? Or The Simpsons? How many? Uh, well, you know, I, how nice was it Simpsons, when they started Futurama? <laughs> with The Simpsons, I would say there are no more stories to be told, and that's yeah. why it's so boring. Um, but yeah, and you write things like, but X Men and, and Spider Man and things, they tend to get rebooted, don't they? Yeah. So they just bring them back again with a new, fresh origin story and slightly make them a bit more edgy. And I think that's what there's. There are many a reboot. That's what Tomb Raider is. Tomb Raider's going to do that. Um, well, that, what other two reboots have there been recently? Prince of Persia was a sort of reboot. Yeah, but it was... See, it was interesting because it got rebooted into Sands of Time and then he got edgy and then it was rebooted into a much more whimsical game. Mm. 
And I'll be no way I'm the only one that liked that. Game. And I guess I like that. I, I, mean, I, I think we're sort of, you know, there's different. Wouldn't get too tied up in like what we're referring to them as. Like I like the idea of them changing styles and changing directions with it. That's something new. <laughs> so uh, speaking of games that never change their style, um, here is a big list of all the Street Fighter games. Can I be Ryu in it? Can I play Ryu? Uh, you can play Ryu in <laughs> every one of these games. I think. I'm um, just glossing through them. Yeah, you can. Okay, so I'll I'll just I'll just read them out. And now to impress your women folk, people at pub quizzes, people on buses, people on the street, your family, Alan, take it away. I'm just reading the tattoos off the inside of my leg. Here we go. Street Fighter, Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter 2 Champion Edition, Street Fighter 2 Turbo, Super Street Fighter 2, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo, Street Fighter Alpha, Street Fighter Alpha 2. Street Fighter Alpha 3. There's also another Street Fighter Alpha 3 that I've forgotten to put in the list, so we'll ignore that one. Street Fighter EX, Street Fighter EX Plus, Street Fighter EX Plus Alpha, Street Fighter EX 2, Street Fighter EX 3, Street Fighter 3, Street Fighter 3 Double Impact, Street Fighter 3 Third Strike, Hyper Street Fighter 2 Anniversary Edition, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo HD Remix, Street Fighter 4, Super Street Fighter 4, and Super Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition. Uh, so that comes to 22. 22 Street Fighter games. But that doesn't include X-Men vs. Street Fighter. 